Hey, good morning. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is seven minutes after nine o'clock, and we've got uh, quite a few uh, guests lined up for you, including my favorite economist of all time. He'll be with us about uh, about an hour from now. Uh, we're going to chat with Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, but we're going to kick the program off with the Epic Times. It is a diurnal you should subscribe to. Uh, what a great source of news. Uh, Beth is with us. She's an investigative reporter for the uh, Epic Times. And the the biggest problem I have with Beth, uh, Beth is the way she spells her name. She's thrown a J in there to throw everybody off, uh, but we know it's silent. Beth, welcome. How are you? <laughs> Good. Thank you, Gary. It's Beth Borelia. I'm glad to be here. Borelia. Yep. Really, I'll, I will help you with the spelling on that. <laughs> oh boy uh, alright we got some ground here that we need to cover so I'm going to just kick it right into high gear what is this federal grant money being spent uh, how, is, how are nonprofits getting federal grant money what is this about Oh, well, nonprofits get federal grant money all the time, but this is a weird one. Um, and I think people should understand, um, you know, whenever um, the government gets a big load of money and then they say, how should we spend it? Let's give out some grants. So each year there are reoccurring grants. This is a reoccurring grant called the Targeted Violence and Terrorism prevention grant um so people got the grant last year and the grant is open uh, 20 million dollars up for grabs this year so <laughs> if you find some ideas we talk about here maybe you want to apply and start a new career so gary the department of homeland security considers homegrown extremists especially white supremacists among the most lethal current domestic threats okay Mm -hmm. uh, so now you have to agree with that premise to apply for the grant. So there's only $20 million at it this year. Last year, they spent um, a lot of money on some pretty weird things like um, uh, podcasts and uh, programs for children, like uh, play acting, you know, drama classes and stuff um, to... Uh, to get people to to change their hearts and minds about um, uh, be, being a white supremacist, um, but you have to wonder: is this is this the best way to spend our money? No. No, you don't have to wonder that at all. It is not the best way to spend my money. I don't even like that they spent my money on any of this stuff. Um, I don't even know where to begin with this. I mean, it, it, the. Uh, well, let me tell you about a couple of the, uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, I can tell you about a couple of the, of the grants that are out there to give you a, a flavor of, of what we're talking about here. Okay, for example, um, they spent almost $400 million on a, on a podcast, an eight-episode podcast. I don't know how many shows you do. 400, whoa, 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 whoa. $400 million on an eight-episode no, 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 no. Not million thousand, but uh -oh. almost half a million, three hundred ninety-eight thousand. That's uh, more than quarter of a million. Um, it's it's we'll round it up to four hundred thousand dollars on a podcast for eight episodes. It's a true crime podcast, and they're going to talk about preventing extremism by going through some true crime cases that they they 
will find that are motivated by extremism and by sharing these podcasts with the nation that should cut down on the white supremacy problem in our nation. So that that's one way they're going to spend money. Um, they've given a lot of money to colleges. There's 800, almost $900,000 to Michigan state university for another podcast. This one's, uh, I, I guess at Rikers Island in New York city, uh, they have a drama club, for inmates, it's a 12-week drama club program that already exists. So, what they want to do is uh, do a podcast on the drama club at Rikers. So they get 800, like I said, almost almost 900 thousand uh, dollars to do this small podcast. So. Um, well, I, I, I don't want to interrupt you here, Beth, but for a minute I'd like to speak with my producer, Brian. Brian, I think you and I are doing the wrong thing here. I'm thinking <laughs> podcast. I know. I was thinking the same thing, and I've already started that process, and uh, I've got the check in hand. So. Oh, man, that is so good. <laughs> 900 that's 450 apiece. We're, we're no, we're point. not splitting it. I had to do all the arrangements, and so I'll, well. keep, I'll keep this check. This is for a two-year, um, this is over a course of two years, so they get the money, but they have two years to make the eight podcasts. But if, you, if music is more your thing, almost a million dollars, 968000 is going to a group called Music in Common out of Georgia. This is a nonprofit that is um, making a band of, this is, this is again, a, a white supremacy thing. They're going to... Um, hire four black musicians and four white musicians, their plan is. So I guess Latin people need not apply. They've already decided the colors of the rainbow here. Um, and they're going to create a band that's going to tour the nation. And this is over the course of uh, two years. And then they will um, perform in various little towns. And then they will um, after the after the show, they will give folks a um, survey to see if the show has uh, changed their mind about being white supremacists. So, <laughs> but you know the thing is, would they fund a Christian band to travel to share the gospel? Oh my no, no no no! I don't think they would spend money on that, right? You know we can laugh about this, but this is really culture changing stuff. There's some other ways they're spending money, too. We're probably running out of time here. There's it's, it's a lot of money spent in a lot of ways. So there's drama kids for children, uh, drama clubs for children. There's a video game club that already exists for kids across the nation. And they're basically going to keep doing their video game club. Um, and then they're going to survey the kids about, you know, because they have these groups of kids playing video games, they're saying this is a good way to keep kids, um, to, to deter them from uh, doing other things. But they're also um, developing media literacy uh, school curriculum at the um, high, kindergarten through college level. And they're going to teach students and citizens how to, um, how to view the media um, in a way that won't turn you into um, a uh, an extremist. Define extremist. 
Well, um, white supremacist is the top one. Um, one of the colleges out of uh, Illinois has described people that they're targeting as typically, obviously white, um, ex-military, uh, people who maybe have been in prison, um, adult males that live alone. These are the, the people who are um, at most at risk, they say. So um, they're going to survey those folks in Illinois. There's, you know, there's many grants. It's hard to kind of go through all of them here. But um, the point is, is this, if, if you buy into the um, idea of white supremacists being the most lethal domestic threat, is this the right way to tackle it? You know, uh, I, I'm just going to throw this out there because I want people to go to the Epic Times and, and uh, subscribe. You are not going to get this kind of reporting from the Columbia Spittoon. Uh, it ain't going to happen in uh, in Springfield or down at the Lake of the Ozarks or Jeff City. You're only going to. This is the only place. I'm telling you, this is the diurnal to subscribe to. Uh, get this. Uh, get this paper and and uh, really find out what's going on out there. Beth, you've, uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, you've really made me, uh, you've made me nauseous as I think about how my money is being spent. <laughs> I'm not sure I appreciate this, uh, but it's a, it's a good thing to know. What else are you working on before I let you go? What, what's your next? Do you have any idea where you're headed next? What next story is uh, going to be? I uh, do. Yeah, today I'm writing a story about the um, northern border. Um, you know, Canada, U.S. longest international border in the world um the crossings and human trafficking and drug smuggling up there has um really um exploded uh, we have some incredible statistics to share and you know people are crossing the border in sub-zero temperatures some of them are freezing to death and congress is um some of the republicans in congress have um, started a caucus on the northern border, and we're going to share uh, coming today or tomorrow a little bit more about some of the problems um, up there that are people may not be aware of how bad it is, but it's a very porous border, and it's not only in the south. We're being um, overtaken from both directions. All right. I'll be reading about it when you post it, when the uh, next uh, edition comes up. Beth, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Sounds good. Thank you, Gary. All right. Beth Brelia, uh, but that isn't the way it's spelled, uh, at the Epic Times. And that's not the way, <laughs> That's you know, they got something in common there. It's not spelled the way, the way it's pronounced either. It's E-P-O-C, like Epoch, but it's pronounced Epic Time. I got a message a couple of days ago from Brian, not, not Brian Hansen, a, a listener, uh, regarding ESG in the state of Missouri, and uh, he wanted to know: Is there, uh, you know, is there a bill out there in the state addressing ESG, specifically trying to ban it? Well, the Secretary of State's going to be with us at about nine thirty-five, and uh, we'll cover that ground with him on the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network, and uh, good morning, welcome, glad to have you with us. It is twenty-two minutes after nine o'clock. Lori Lightfoot is out in Dallas, or in Dallas, in uh, Chicago. She did a lousy job, um, and I frankly, every time I I looked at her, I kept thinking of that movie character uh, that. That <laughs> just her face. I'm sorry. It has nothing to do with her performance, but it just it bothered me. Uh, what was the name of that character, Brian? And she looked like. Um, 
the the uh, oh, I can't think of the kid, and I just looked it up a little while ago. Uh, anyway, uh, she's done a horrible job with crime. She was a defund the police advocate. She was just a lousy mayor. They um, they're in so much trouble in Chicago. I mean, really, they are in trouble. Uh, and I'm not even sure that uh, we're not getting the uh, the devil we know uh, replaced by someone we don't, someone that's even worse. But I don't know how you get much worse than her. But apparently the Chicago voters have had it with her. I, You know, I'm starting to think that in a lot of these major urban areas where the far left has really taken over, that people are beginning to look at what it, you know, what it turns their community into. And I think they're beginning to reject the extremist left. I don't know. I, I have to apologize. I was on the, the other phone, and I know you're in Cleveland, so you couldn't see me, but you were asking me about uh, Beetlejuice? Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, she, uh, she didn't make it. Yeah, Beetlejuice. <laughs> Somebody just said Beetlejuice me. three times, and she had to go away. <laughs> and she just, pink. <laughs> Disappeared. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't, um, I don't know that this isn't going to this far left uh, extremism that we've seen in these major urban areas. There's a part of me that thinks those those Democrats in those communities who voted for these extremists, looking around at what has become of their cities, from Portland and Seattle to Chicago and others. Uh, and they're, and are, I think, beginning to wake up. Um, I'm not sure that they'll, you know, go as far uh, to the right as I would like to see them go. But I do think they're pulling away. I think there's a backfire here. Uh, I even think it's going to affect St. Louis. Uh, the whole Kim Gardner thing. Uh, I, I think there are voters... I would be surprised if she continues to perform the way she is and the attorney general is unable to unseat her. I think she would probably lose at re-election time. I think it's starting to, the, the, the pendulum is starting to swing in the other direction. It's going to be a slow move back, but it's, I think, going to happen. And, you know, the canary in the coal mine is Mayor Lightfoot. We'll, we'll keep an eye on this, but I, I really... I, and this gives me great hope. This gives me great hope. Uh, because this could also end up reflecting itself on national politics as well. Um, where they begin to reject the Bernie Sanders of the, of the uh, uh, national political world. Uh, also, uh, on the other side of the coin, Florida is moving to expand... Uh, their legislation dealing with the, the gay community, Florida lawmakers introduced legislation to prohibit someone describing themselves or others with pronouns besides the ones they were born with, at least in the context of the Florida education system. Uh, the legislation is aimed at requiring specified policies relating to persons' sex at public K-12 education institutions. The bill's summary says it prohibits specified actions relating to use of certain titles and pronouns and revises the requirements for instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in public schools. So the big problem really is that public schools or government schools exist at all. That's where the big problem is. 
Nobody is going to address that. They think I'm crazy. I'm an extremist. But that is the problem, that government schools exist. On the left, there's this, oh, my God, how will kids get educated? There will be no, uh, these kids will fall through the cracks. Smarter people know that kids are falling through the cracks right now, and the ones that aren't are being indoctrinated. And all of that changes with homeschooling. All of that changes when parents get to decide what kind of education their kids want. When you don't have the arrogance of the political left telling you that just because you're a parent doesn't mean you get to decide what your children can learn. Why, we're the experts. It's utter nonsense. Education has gotten so far astray from the old reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I know there's more to education than just reading, writing, and, and learning math, but those skills are absolutely essential to success. And in community after community, we're seeing where these kids are literally falling through the cracks. In, uh, in Baltimore, what was that? No, none of the kids scored uh, even you know, average for their reading and math skills. Uh, and the same is happening in several other large uh, Democrat-run communities as well. And now, of course, we have the other side of this coin. Uh, it, you know, once you get out of high school, you end up in the college level, and you've got government funding there, too, and that's not a good idea. The Supreme Court is going to look at um, or has looked at and has heard oral arguments on whether or not the Biden administration has the right to take your tax dollars and pay for somebody else's college education. And some of the things I've heard the left say are just amazing. We'll, we're going to play some audio uh, probably at the uh, at, at about uh, twenty minutes, about ten minutes to ten, we'll get to it. If not uh, at ten o'clock, of uh, Weingartner screaming and yelling about free college education. I heard a guy protesting in front of the Supreme Court yesterday, saying, "You know, we should we should get this deal. Biden should be paying a, a, a you know ten or twenty thousand dollars of our college debt." And then he, f he followed that up with, why should we have to pay at all? <laughs> the lunacy of why should you have to pay at all? Because it costs money. Because it isn't free. Somebody has to pay, and I don't see why I should be the one footing the bill for your college education. But they don't get that. They think somehow that it's the government's job, and without the government, why people wouldn't be able to afford it. And we talked yesterday about... You know, blue-collar work. Uh, and it's, you know, that... I wish there would be a different term for that because I think it's condescending. You know how the left always redefine re, uh, things, Brian? Maybe we should start redefining things. We should, yes. That's the Instead only way to uh, go up against these people. Yeah, I mean, they've redefined uh, all kinds of words. Why don't we do that? And genders, Let too. Yes, and genders, too. It's insane. But I'm thinking, you know, we need another name for workers who, with their hands, build things and accomplish things. And I think blue-collar worker is just, well, I think it's a bit condescending. So let's see if we can, we can come up with a more positive description just like the left do with, with words that they think are condescending or racist or bad, we should do it. Maybe we'll try that on Facebook. Come up with a 
more positive term for people who work with their hands. In the meantime, Jay Ashcroft is up next. This is the Gary Nolan Show. Hey, good morning. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is uh, 935, Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. Uh, and then uh, we are going to kick off this segment of the program with uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. And <laughs> I guess uh, his major announcement uh, is, is not coming today. But I'm sure it's not far behind. Uh, Mr. Secretary, glad to have you with us. I got a message from a listener a couple of days ago. Says, uh, this is from Brian. He says, Gary, I would like to know if there is any bill in the state addressing ESG, specifically trying to ban it. I feel like there was some traction starting last year, but have not heard anything. He apparently hasn't heard you on the program the last couple of weeks. So, would you readdress ESG in the state of Missouri for Brian? Yes. Um, there is a, a rule that our office has put out that will affect all investment advisors and broker-dealers. There is also a suite of reforms that are, are being uh, – Representative O'Donnell has those. I believe those will get passed out of the House either this week or next. Uh, Missouri is actually leading on making sure that we don't get taken over by ESG and that your investment advisor is not using your funds that you want to get a good return on for some social agenda that you wouldn't like. Um, happy to find that, that bill number for later. But, yes, um, I think Representative O'Donnell has been working with us, and we'll see that le legislation out of the House over to the Senate, I believe, by next week. All right, so you've answered Brian's questions. Now let me move on. Uh, the foreign land, Missouri Foreign Farm Land Bill has passed out of the House, and I mix the. I, I kind of meet this with mixed emotions because I think anybody should be able to buy land um, if if it's for sale and they've got the money, they should be able to to do it. But it does bother me that Communist China is buying property so close to our military bases um, and farm property that we will probably need to produce food to feed the American public. What is the the real threat here? I mean, do they own enough land that they could uh, uh, attack the food supply? And, uh, and if that's not the case, uh, do we have any indication they're spying on our military bases from that property or those properties? We have seen in South Dakota where uh, Chinese front companies have bought property right up against uh, a drone base under the auspices of an agricultural use, and yet they wanted to use that for electronic surveillance and eavesdropping. The, the uh, U.S. military has actually reached out to local officials in South Dakota and, and, and asked them to help stop that purchase because of concerns there. Um, I don't think we're at a point where uh, our food supply is in, is in jeopardy from, from foreign countries, but we want to make sure it never becomes in jeopardy. It was it wasn't that long ago during COVID where we saw shelves that were running out of meat in grocery stores, and yet we saw meat being shipped from Missouri to foreign countries. So I, our, the bill that uh, was uh, perfected yesterday in the Missouri House that I helped write will go a long way to help making sure that we can protect our food supply, we can protect our military bases. It doesn't totally outlaw any property being owned 
uh, in Missouri by foreign countries, but it does do that for nation states like uh, Russia and China and Venezuela and other countries that frankly are our enemies. Um, it also creates a better method for keeping track of, of what uh, land is owned by, by, by foreign companies, foreign uh, nation states, and it creates a better means of uh, closing that loop if there are violations to punish those violations. And it drops the cap from 1% to half a percent. But according to the state's own numbers, we're really right around three-tenths of a percent. So that won't stop uh, things from being able to be done in the future. But it does kind of take the first step of saying, let's get a handle on this. Let's make sure we know what's really go on. Let's be able to enforce it as necessary. But also, let's not go off the deep end and cause us problems that in three years we're going to say we have to change. That, that that law wholesale. When you say uh, nation states owning property, does that cover, for instance, a corporation in China, which by Chinese law has to uh, do whatever the Chinese government tells them? Uh, can a corporation from China buy that land? If you have a corporation that's controlled by the Chinese government, which is what you're saying, then yes, there are prohibitions because that's not a corporation like you and I think about it here in the United States. That corporation is an arm of the Chinese communist government. And unfortunately, they're our enemies. They want to sow dissension and conflict across the globe, and we should not enable them to have a foothold here in Missouri to do that. All right, I'm gonna. I've got a, a libertarian conflict going on because I don't yep. want them buying this land. I just, I'm just not sure that uh, the government has the authority or should to, to stop it. Um, but I'm more in favor of it than I than I am against it. If I'm if you're following me, uh, let's move on to Kim Gardner because uh, the Attorney General uh, is threatening to get rid of her. I'm not sure that we have the grounds to do that. Do you think? Uh, the, do you think Kim Gardner, who is a George Soros supported uh, uh, prosecutor uh, can be removed from office when the people voted her in? Uh, there is a way to do it. It is difficult. Uh, whether or not we have the evidence to prove uh, the necessary elements of a quo warrant or wit, a quo warrant or writ, um, I'm not positive about. Uh, I applaud, though, the attorney general for trying. And for going to court, the court will make the final decision as to whether or not those elements are met. Something needs to be done. We need to move on uh, from Kim Gardner. The people of the city of St. Louis cannot live in safety, and that has to change. One of the, the, the base fundamental things that government needs to do is to create an environment where it is safe enough for people to live and make their own decisions. And that's not true in the city of St. Louis right now. You know, kind of a segue here. I was talking earlier this morning about Lori Lightfoot losing in Chicago. I think that the far left has, you know, they've had a few victories. But I think uh, even Democrats, moderate Democrats, are looking at what's going on in those large areas like Chicago and Portland uh, and St. Louis and realizing that the the real far left is not um, it, it's not advantageous to have them uh, running the city and I wonder if that's going to reflect on on her if she runs for re-election I wonder if the people of St. Louis are looking at some of the things that have developed in their community since uh, she's you know been in office and if they would you know 
rejector, if the car, if the canary in the coal mine is Lori Lightfoot? I hope so. Um, I hope that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a homer. I prefer St. Louis over Chicago. I especially prefer our, ba- our baseball team over theirs. But um, I hope that we're seeing a turning point in Chicago. I hope that that will help to be a turning point in St. Louis. When St. Louis does better, when Kansas City does better, when, when does better, the state of Missouri does better. And we are better off if those two cities are economic engines for the rest of the state. We cannot just leave those cities to, to fall into ruin because of poor leadership. We need to be a part of that to make sure that they can be the best they can be because it improves everyone in the state of Missouri. By the way, speaking of baseball teams, I am still a Cleveland Indians fan. I can't find them on the schedule. Guardians. Anywhere. Guardians. Huh? Correction. What? Cleveland Guardians now. What yeah. the hell is that? Yeah, no, it's, no, no. it's your new mascot. Yes. Yeah. We have the Cleveland. We've had the Cleveland Indians since yeah. before. If you want to root for a woke team like that? That's your decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, he cut me to the quick. All right, I'm going to move on. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to stand for this. But I will stand up for girls and women's sports. Uh, Mid Vermont Christian girls basketball team uh, has done what I think the gr- women should be doing in sports all over the world. Uh, you know what? If you're going to put guys in there, we're not playing. That's the right thing to do. We need to protect sports so that everyone can play. And this idea that it is anti-transgender or anti-anyone is ridiculous. What Missouri is trying to do is to make sure that women can play, that men can play, that transgender individuals can play. We want everyone to be able to play. But this idea that a man should be able to mandate that he play on a women's team, that's somewhat akin to a 15-year-old saying, you have to allow me to play on the kindergarten team. That's insane. You know, I'm just for a moment thinking, wow, I could have been a gold medalist under those circumstances. <laughs> I could it have won ins- some basketball games. <laughs> <laughs> but it is insane. Uh, they've got uh, more dense bone structure, greater lung capacity. Uh, their uh, muscle-to-fat ratio is, is uh, better. I, I, I don't understand why these people think that we can put these guys who think they're girls into these athletic endeavors with women and that it's somehow fair. It's not about thinking. It's about feelings. And where does it end? At what point do we we tell the five-year-old child that says, I'm a bird, I'm going to run and jump out the second floor window? At what point are these people going to say, yeah, tell him he can do that. Tell him he can fly. Yeah, my theory, At Mr. some Secretary- point, we have to face the science. My theory, Mr. Secretary, is that this all ends up with eliminating pedophilia as uh, as a mental disorder uh, and criminal be, uh, activity. I think that's where they're headed. Uh, that's why they're starting this with these kids that are in grade school and, and, and pushing this. Um, it's just not something go- the government schools or any school should be doing. Uh, I'm going to move on. I've got uh, one more topic here, and then uh, we're going to run out of time, and that is uh, this and we talked about this briefly yesterday. The Chinese virologist saying that COVID nineteen was released intentionally. Are you buying that? Do you believe that? I do, because there's two ways to look at that. One is they intentionally released it out of their lab, and all the evidence suggests that the most logical explanation is that it came out of the lab. We can't find intermediary animals that it would have come from. 
But even if they didn't intentionally release it from the lab, it is a known fact that they intentionally shut down airline, airline travel within China during the disease, but allowed it to continue internationally. Even if they didn't initially release it intentionally, they did intentionally spread it to the rest of the world. That's a fact. Yeah, they, they absolutely did, and uh, they profited from it. They bought up all the PPE they could get their hands on and then resold it. Uh, so um, they definitely profited from it. Uh, and they had an opportunity to, to be uh, up front and, and release the information early on. They didn't do that. They, they restricted uh, uh, travel inside China but let these people travel all around the world. Um, I don't know how you hold them accountable, but... We really need to. Uh, I know you got a lot of the old Americans responsible, like our own intelligence agencies that have lied over and over again. Sorry to interrupt. No, no. Uh, you, you make, uh, again, a valid point. Uh, I know you've got a lot of ground to cover today, a lot of things to do, so we're going to let you go. Uh, we were looking for a major, major announcement. Apparently, uh, you're not ready to do that today, but, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll check in with you next week. Really appreciate that. Have a great week. <laughs> All thanks right, Jay Ashcroft, Secretary of State, thanks for being with us. 874-9390, the toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Uh, one of my favorite economists of all time, he is going to be with us at about 5 after 10. Uh, then we'll talk about uh, renaming blue-collar work. Among other things, on the Gary Nolan Show, it is the Zimmer Radio Network. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, listen, we have um, Dr. Murray Sabrin coming on with us uh, in about uh, five or ten minutes. He is, he's written a piece that I find kind of intriguing about uh, Joe Biden and the state of uh, his political uh, career. And it's... Um, it's going to be a fun piece. We'll, we'll chat with him, and we'll also ask him about the state of the economy, where he thinks we are headed. Uh, that'll be coming up, like I said, a few minutes uh, from now. In the meantime, uh, Florida moves to expand don't say gay law. That's how they're describing it in their legislative session. Um, it, it, the whole idea that the, the don't say gay law didn't say don't say gay, and it was nowhere in the, uh, in the law. That didn't stop the mainstream media and uh, right wi uh, left-wingers uh, from uh, promoting that and pushing that. Uh, but now they're, they're going to prohibit someone from describing themselves or others with pronouns besides the ones that they were born with in the context of the Florida education system. This is not a bad thing. I mean, I don't care what you call yourself, but if you're going to be identified on the rolls, uh, and I don't care if it's for a driver's license or for you know admission to school, uh, if you were born with an Audi, you're a guy, and that's the way it ought to be. Uh, if you're born with an innie, then you're a girl, and that's the way it ought to be. The bill summary says it prohibits specified actions relating to use of certain titles and pronouns and revises requirements for in, uh, instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in public schools. It also expands on sexual orientation and gender identity topics in schools from kindergarten to third grade, as was set up by Florida's Parental Rights in Education Don't Say Gay Bill, as they called it, uh, pre-K through uh, eighth grade instead. Look, this is going to be a problem uh, for Democrats, and I think you're seeing the results of uh, 
this nonsense in public schools. From Virginia to Florida, it's propelling Democrats out of office everywhere. I think mainstream America understands that this transsexual, transgender nonsense is just that. And they don't want their kids exposed to it, and they don't want them unknowingly exposed to it. And that's what's going on in public schools. That's what's going on in government schools. And I think this is a winning issue for the Republicans. They're going to flog the Democrats with this nonsense. And it's going to resonate. Parents are not going to want their kids exposed to that kind of nonsense. And the fact that they're so openly uh, uh, telling these kids, we're, we don't want you telling your parents. We're going to do this on the QT. It's going to be on the down low. Um, it, it just gives some indication of, of how really ugly government schooling has become. I, if, you're, if you're a parent... With a kid in government school, I feel sorry for you. If you're a parent just raising kids in today's environment, I feel sorry for you. You need to be ever vigilant. It's because the attacks are everywhere, right, left, and up and down and behind. I mean, I don't care where you look. They are attacking your children. Um, it, it, it could be on TV. It could be at the movies. could be in school. Uh, it's just, it's on the Internet. It is everywhere. Uh, 874-9390, the toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Joe Biden is the president. Think again. Dr. Murray Sabrin, he is going to be with us in just a few minutes, and we'll also chat with him a little bit about the economy. Let me go to Springfield. Um, Tony is on the line down in Springfield on the blue-collar workers. I was going to do this a little later in the program, but uh, I don't like the term. I think it's become condescending. The, the left changed definitions all the time. So what, Tony, would you change the definition of somebody who works with their hands uh, to? Well, yeah, I think uh, what we could do, and I think it will work all the way around for both sides, whether you're technically trained or whether you're uh, college trained, is if you go to a trade school, uh, then you should be now considered a technical expert. And if you decide that I'm going to go to college and get a four-year degree, then you should be called technically an expert. And I think that'll take care of everything. Technical expert. Technically expert. Technically an expert if you go to college. Uh, Technically, you're an expert, but, you know, you know how that goes. (laughs) So those four-year degrees. So what would you change blue-collar worker to again? A technical expert. A technical expert. So when it comes, uh, what do you do? I'm a welding technical expert. I'm a plumbing technical expert. I'm an HVAC technical expert. You know, Tony, that's not bad. That really is not bad at all. I like that. All right. Thank you for the call. Huh. (laughs) Nicely done. Dr. Murray Sabrin is next on The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show 